Sometimes I think What will people say of me When I'm only just a memory When I'm home where my soul belongs Was I loved When no one else would show up Was I Jesus to the least of us was my worship more than just a song? I want to live like that Give it all I have So that everything I say and do It points to you If love is who I am Good morning to all of you as we gather in God's house. Uh, we're still celebrating the life of Jesus, right? The birth, 
the life, I mean, the death, the resurrection, all that he's done for you and me. I want to welcome all, especially our guests, whether you're here or online, we are thankful that you have joined us in worship. Uh, we'd like to get to know you, and so if you would, if you're a guest, if you would text 1C guest to 94,000, that would let us know that you're here, and then you can ask questions, and we can give you some answers. Also, a little bit later, we're going to have a time of prayer in worship, and if you have a prayer request, a prayer of concern, a prayer of thanksgiving, uh, you could text that prayer to 402-242-5051, or if you're on Facebook, you can actually put it right into the comments section, and then we'll be able to um, include that in worship today. Also, a little later in the service, we're going to have communion. And here at 1C, we believe that this is a gift that God has given to his people. And uh, we believe from the scriptures that it's bread and wine, body and blood for the forgiveness of sins and to strengthen our faith as we journey through life. So if you'd like to join us with that meal, um, hopefully you picked up the elements before the service. If you didn't, that's okay. Go into family gathering area by the kitchen windows and you can receive uh, the bread and wine or juice, and join us together. Um, also, after this service, we're going to have a voters meeting. It's an opportunity for us as a church to talk about 2021, but even more importantly, what we believe God is leading and guiding us to do in mission ministry. So we'd love for you to stay. Um, it's going to be right after we'll get things set up, and then we'll get into the voters meeting. You'll have opportunity to ask questions and hear what's going on. So we'd love for you to do it. Also, just to, hopefully when you came in, you got a sermon outline. Uh, we're in our second week of 40 days on prayer. We believe that God wants to teach you and me more about prayer so that we would become more dependent on prayer than ever before. So if you didn't get an outline, you can get one at a table right by the door as you entered. Let's continue to worship.
As we go through life, we have cares and concerns. Sometimes we worry about things. Like maybe we worry about someone that we know who's sick, right? We want them to get well. Or maybe, maybe we're concerned about making new friends. Or, you know, maybe we're worried about what grades we're going to get in school. Or we care about if people like us or not. Right? These are all our cares, things that we were concerned about. But you know what? The Bible tells us that we don't have to carry these things around with us. No, we can cast our cares on God because he cares for us. I wonder what it would look like to cast these cares on God. Let's see. Well, there's not much left of those cares, are there? No, there's not. And you know what? The Bible tells us that Jesus is our rock and that we can cast our cares on him because he cares for us. And he'll take care of those cares and take them away just like that jar that represented the cares that we have gets taken care of by the big rock in that, in that uh, bucket. But you know what? I hope you grabbed a rock on your way in this morning. If you didn't, there are more under the TV outside in the family gathering space. Um, and I want you to keep that, carry it in your pocket, and remember that Jesus is your rock. He is always with you. He cares for you. And you don't have to worry about the things of life. You can give those to Jesus in prayer. And he'll take care of them because he cares for you. And if you're worshiping at home, um, after worship is over, go outside with your parents, find a rock, put it in your pocket, carry it with you as that reminder that Jesus is your rock. He cares for you, and he takes care of the things that you care about. All right, will you pray with me? We'll fold our hands, bow our heads, and you can repeat after me. Dear Jesus, you are our rock, and you care for us. Help us to give you our cares. 
and not carry them around. Amen. Bigger than my faith And struggles steal my breath away When my back's pressed up against the wall With the weight of my worries stacked up tall You're strong enough to hold it all I will cast my cares on you You're the anchor of my hope
I think we can't say yay because we can cast our cares on him. I was thinking about when I was a, a little kid, um, I would find dirt very um, easily. I could find it. And it would get into my hands and under my fingernails. It would be like all over. Then I would, you know, my mom would call me to dinner and we'd come and sit down at the table and we're just sitting there and mom would ask, did, did you wash your hands? And I would say yes. She would look at my hands and say, I don't think you did. Come with me. So we'd walk over, probably did the kitchen sink because it was closer, and we would rub and scrape and, you know, just get all the dirt off and then sit down. And I thought, that, isn't that the way it is in life? I mean, sin has left its mark on everyone. We've seen it evidenced in our country this past week. On both sides of the aisle, there's sin. And um, we don't have to look that far. We could just look in the mirror and we see my sin, your sin, and how dirty that is. And we can't deal with this ourselves. We need somebody bigger and stronger and mightier to clean, um, to clean our country and to clean ourselves. So we're going to take time now. We're going to pray. We're going to ask God to uh, do his work in you and me and in our country. Good and gracious God, Lord Jesus, you um, up in the heavens, you look down on the earth and you just saw the, uh, the sin and the filth that comes as a result of sin. And you were compelled to do something about it. And we get a glimpse, we, we understand in part, you love us so much that you don't want that filth and that sin to separate us from you. So we, um, we take a moment now to, to remember what your son did for us. His birth, his life, his death, his resurrection. All of that so that we can be clean. We ask now that your Holy Spirit would stir within us, that we would come to you and, and we would receive from you that forgiveness and that mercy and then the grace so that we can go out from here and share this good news with everyone. So thank you for being at work. Thank you for doing what we couldn't do. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins and life with you forever. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.
the celebration meal. There's different names for it, Lord's Supper, Holy Communion, but it is a gift that God has given to his people to do several things. There is forgiveness of sins, there is a strengthening of our faith, and then a reminder once again, he's always with us. So I'd like to invite you at this time to please take the elements out, and I'm going to share with you the scripture where Jesus is instituting or starting this meal. And then after I share those words, I will invite you then to take each element and to receive this blessing. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and after he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, and after he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament of my blood, which is given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. So if you would take the bread and take and eat, this is the body of Christ given for you. And if you would, take the juice or the wine and take and drink. This is the blood of Jesus shed for you. And now may this true body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, strengthen and preserve you steadfast in the one true faith to life everlasting. Depart in peace. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we just thank you that you hear us and care for us. Prayers for a quick healing for Ella's teacher. Continued prayers for Gigi's health. Continued love and support for mom and Rob and their relationship that they may continue to show Christ's love to one another and their family through their marriage. A special prayer for speedy recovery for a, spent, a, a special friend's puppy that is sick. Prayers, Lord, that you help us understand this world, the political turmoil, and give us direction and courage to do the right thing, what you have shown us, and give us love and bring people to you. Prayers for my girlfriend and her family because her aunt and uncle lost their baby boy this week. I just pray for a reassurance and peace for her and her family. Prayers for God's mending on our family, a family that has really fallen apart. Father, we just pray that the Holy Spirit sweep through this country and light a fire in the hearts of those who call upon you and that, you, that it may be ignited and set aflame. That your love will just pour through this country, Father, in this time. We just thank you, Father, that all the prayers this morning, heard and unheard, that you know what's on our hearts because you care for us and help us to just learn to cast all of our cares upon you. Join me as we say the Lord's Prayer that he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread 
and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Week number two of 40 Days of Prayer. And first week, we talked about God's desire for people like you and me to grow. Grow in our faith, grow in our trust, grow in our prayer life. And the whole purpose of the 40 Days of Prayer is for people like you and me to become more dependent on going to God than anything else. And I think uh, it's a, a worthy venture that we're going to make for these 40 days. And I pray that as we keep looking into the scripture, as God's spirit comes, he's going to teach you and me some very important things in life. Now today, we're going to talk about how to pray. And I'll just say this. When the disciples were watching Jesus, when the disciples were watching his life, they noticed something pretty important that caused them to ask a question. Now think of this, in the Gospel of Luke, there is a long list of different things that the disciples got to watch Jesus do. He fed 5,000, he calmed the storm in the sea, he healed many people throughout that time, he did some phenomenal teaching, and yet when it came time for the disciples to ask Jesus a question, they didn't ask him, hey Lord, how can I do a miracle? Or, hey, Lord, how can I teach like you? Instead, he had a, dis a different question. And here we have it from Luke chapter 11, verse 1. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, why, why was this noticeable to them? And you know, I, I don't think we have any explanation of it, but I think if, as we look at what the disciples were used to versus what they were seeing in Jesus. You know, we get a picture of what it was like back then when the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law, they would go to God and there was this, you know, sometimes even standing on a corner so everybody could see. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus turned to his heavenly father with a sense of um, sincerity, with a sense of humility, and that was something that the disciples noticed. 
I hope we're ready to ask that same question. Lord, teach us to pray. And I'll just give you um, at least my view. When Jesus taught the Lord's Prayer, he wasn't necessarily teaching words, but he was teaching attitude. Next time you pray the Lord's Prayer, look at those petitions one by one and look at the attitudes in which Jesus was teaching his disciples. I really think that was the heartbeat of what he was trying to get at. Because he knew that people like you and me wouldn't always get the right attitude. We would kind of turn things a little bit. I mean, when I think of how people can use prayer, remember last week I talked about um, we, can use, we can use prayer as a crowbar trying to force our way versus using it like an extension cord to plug into the power of God. Well, there's other ways, and maybe you've seen it, maybe you've even felt it. How many times have you seen, you don't have to admit it for yourself, where we almost use prayer like it's a magic wand? Kind of wave it, say abracadabra, or maybe it's the genie in the bottle, and we're just saying, oh God, please, 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 do some kind of magic trick in my life. That's not the right view of God. Or how about, you know, when we think of, uh, we have the fire extinguishers there, and it says, in case of emergency, break the glass, right? Sometimes we use prayer like, only when there's an emergency. I told you the story a long time ago, when I was 16, just learning how to drive. And just so you know, it's Harrison's birthday today. He's 16. Make sure you say happy birthday to him. But when I was driving, I'll never forget when it went into reverse and the car was smoking and smelling bad, I, I had a prayer. It was one of those emergency moments. And I said, Lord, help me. And I really needed help because if my parents found out what I did and how I did it, it would be trouble. That was not really the right way to do it, but it was there. Or how about the tug of war concept? You know, we know what we want. And sometimes we feel as if God is in opposition to us, and we're just kind of pulling and trying to get our will to be done over God's will. So if that's how we view God, no wonder, no wonder we don't necessarily use prayer the way God wants us to use it. So I'd like to share with you three concepts of God, and this actually goes back to the good old confirmation years when I was in eighth grade. And I learned about God's character with the three omnis. And I'm guessing you know what those are. Um, let me go up here. So, all right. The first one is omnipotence. It just means all-powerful. From Genesis to Revelation, all the way through, we see the power and might of God with his people with his creation. In fact, even creation itself is a demonstration of how all-powerful God is. Because we're told that there was really nothing, right? It was, the Hebrew word is nichel. There was nothing out there and God spoke into being the world. Amazing. And then you see his power being manifested and seen and shown throughout the history of the world as God was preserving and protecting his people. He was all-powerful because, again, he loves his people. Another omni is the word omniscience. And if you see the word science, that's the connection. God is all-knowing. God knows what happened in the past. God knows what's happening in the present. And God knows what's happening into the future. 
God knows what's going on in your personal world. God knows what's going on in my personal world. God knows what's going on in Washington, D.C. You know, and we could sit back there and we can go, I don't know what to do. Well, God knows all of this, and I do believe he is working. But I also believe sin is pretty evident. And then um, the other one is God is uh, omnipresence. And that's, again, he, you know, he's here right now in Columbus, Nebraska. He's also in Washington, D.C. He's also in Europe. He's everywhere. And so when you wrap those three, which, again, are reinforced from Genesis all the way through Re- Revelation, this is the God in whom we come to. And if he's anything less than these three things... No wonder we are disillusioned in our prayer life. So I'm going to challenge you. Next time you pray, consider these three. And there's a whole bunch of others. God is all loving. God is compassionate. God is wise. I mean, there's so many different ways to describe God that we find in the scriptures. But just think about these three things. Next time you start your prayer life. When you're ready to sit down and talk to God about something that's in your, in your heart and mind, instead of treating him like he's a magician or some kind of firefighter, right? Think about him being all-powerful, all-knowing, present everywhere. And see how it shapes your conversation with him. I believe it'll change it a lot. All right, with that in mind, I'm going to go into four four points, four truths, four perspectives that I hope that we can embrace, and I do think it's going to thrust us into wanting to pray to him more than ever before. So the very first one that I'd like to talk about is that God loves for me to talk with him. And I'm going to give you three stories um, in the next couple of minutes of my experience that gives a little bit of perspective. When I think about this idea of God loves for me to talk with him, um, I think about my grandpa, my gr- grandpa Rondon. He's up in heaven, uh, five foot five, Sicilian, butcher. You can almost picture, I almost picture what that would sound like. He'd be talking like this, and he'd have a side of beef over his shoulder. He was tough as nails. I mean, honestly, he, there's not a tougher guy I knew. And yet there was something about him that was different. Yes, he was Roman Catholic. Yes, he went to Mass every single day. But on Sunday afternoons, when my mom and dad, often it was my mom because my dad would be working, we would drive to go see Grandma and Grandpa Rondon. And we would walk in, and normally Sunday afternoons were time for him to watch golf. That was a love of his. He would play golf and watch golf, and then he would work 80 hours a week as a butcher. But the moment we pull up and the moment we come in, everything stopped. Nothing was more important than us being there. And he would go like this. He'd be sitting in his recliner. He would just pat on his his leg. And then as a 7-year-old, 8-year-old, even when I got to be 16 or whatever, he would go like this, and he would want me to sit on his lap, and he would listen, and we would talk. And it was more important than golf, more important than anything else. 
That is just a, a, a little smidgen of an illustration of how God is. God loves when we talk to him. God loves when we communicate with him. He is earnestly waiting for those moments when we stop everything else and we go to him in prayer. Pretty powerful. Let me share some scriptures that paint this picture. Psalm 103. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who reverence him. The psalmist is saying, you know, as we go to God, God is, he's like this attentive, loving father and taking great delight in those moments when we talk to him about the big things in life and also the little things. He cares about us. How about 1 John 5? We can be confident in approaching God, knowing that he listens to us whenever we ask him for anything according to his will. And since we know that he hears us when we make our requests, then we can be sure that he will answer us. God takes great delight. He loves it when we talk to him, and he's going to listen. And then how about Jeremiah 29? I have good plans for you, not plans to hurt you. I will give you a hope and a good future. Then you will call my name. You will come to me and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And so, first point, first attribute of God is he just has this love for people like you and me. We are the object of his love. He looks to us, and he waits earnestly for us to talk to him. Secondly, God is attentive to our prayers. So not only does he love it when we talk to him, but he's also listening. And here's an illustration that's kind of a confession, too. Um, when I first was dating Kristen Hauser, okay, she was uh, 16, 17, I'm, you know, 18, 19, and I'll never forget, I would hang on every word she would speak. It was almost like this. I could look at her and listen to her for hours on end. In fact, uh, my mother-in-law would say something to the effect of, what do you two talk about so much? Because we would talk. We would talk together, and then when I would go home, we'd go on the phone, and we would talk more and more and more. Today, not as much. My attentiveness is not as good. In fact, I joke about it. Um, I have a, a really good ear, and I have a, the ear over here that's just not as good. And there are times that I will sit to the right of Kristen. So just picture that for a moment. That means I put my not-so-good ear towards her. I'm not attentive always. That's why when we think about our God, who is all-powerful, all-knowing, present everywhere, he is attentive. He is locked in on you and me. And he will let nothing distract him. He is in love with us. All right, so some scriptures to consider. Uh, this is a longer scripture, so you're going to see it played out over a couple of the slides. But again, this is where Jesus is talking and comparing some attitudes of prayer. Okay, and, and he says, when you do pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. 
Instead, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling on and on like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. I mean, just picture that. And, and I like this concept, is that simple and sincere prayers, God takes great delight in. And I'll never, you know, I, I get this all the time, when we're in a group of people and, you know, it's time to pray, and then everybody often looks at the pastor, I'm like, well, all of you could pray, and everyone gets insecure, like, oh, I, I can't pray like that. I, th I think God takes great delight. I remember my kids when they were little and they would say their prayers and they would be short, little prayers that sometimes didn't have a, a sentence structure to it. God help grandma. She's sick. Simple, sincere. And again, God loves when we talk to him, but he's also listening to those very simple and sincere prayers. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 10, we're told, let us come near to God with a sincere heart and a sure faith. A sure faith in what? Or maybe it's better, a sure faith in whom? Going back to my illustrations before, if we think God is just like a magician or, you know, he's only there in case of an emergency, no wonder we go to him infrequently and maybe not with a lot of faith but we can go to him with absolute certainty because he is all-powerful he is all-knowing and he is present everywhere and we can have confidence in him and him alone all right thirdly God likes to show his goodness by answering prayer um, 2020 was a, um, I don't know what you would like to use for a word, but I'll just say a very interesting year for the Thelans, just in many ways. And um, as we were getting into December, I decided to do something I, I normally don't do, is I wrote a letter to my kids. And I talked to them about this year and everything going on. And one of the things I wrote in the letter, I said this, you know, as your parents, we love to give gifts to you. When you were younger, it was a little easier. You know, video game system, dolls or bicycles would kind of hit the mark. But now that they're older, we still like to give gifts to them. And then I reminded them that the greatest gift of all was given through Jesus, the, this little baby of Bethlehem. And that he wants to give us things that are eternal, not just temporal. And I did a little preaching as a dad. but um, And I mentioned, you know what? A lot of things are changing. We're 1,300 miles away from you. We are going to the doctor more in 2020 than we have our entire life because of medical things going on. But God's love is certain. We can rely on that, and we want you to know that and hold on to that, and that God wants to give you blessings. 
And as we think about that, as we think about how God desires to, to bless us, just think about how he answers prayers. How many of you know the three different ways God answers prayers? Anybody want to say it out loud? Yes? No, very good guess. And what's the third one? Maybe or not now. And I don't like two of the three. I like when he answers yes. I do not like no or not now. I'm not a very patient person. But we do know because of God's character, because of who he is, he is going to answer us and he's going to do it with the eternal in mind, not necessarily the temporal. The temporal is the temporary moment that we're on this earth. He is always thinking of the eternal. He's always thinking about us with Jesus and him forever. And so he always answers the best way that's going to honor that. So, let me give you a couple scriptures. All right. Jeremiah 33. Call to me and I will answer you. I will show you marvelous and wonder, wondrous things that you could never figure out on your own. Love that one. How about Matthew 7, 11? If you, being imperfect and sinful parents, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Wow. And isn't that the truth? I am an imperfect dad and husband, and I give pretty good gifts. But we have a heavenly Father who gives the best gifts at every time. And we may not understand it, just like sometimes my kids wouldn't understand. Sometimes I didn't understand it with my parents. But God, our Heavenly Father, will always, always give us gifts that will be a blessing. All right, number four, last point. God longs to be close to me. Picture what that means. Now, um, this idea of being close to God I don't know if you've had those moments, I have, where you just get this picture of God being so big and so magnificent. And then there's times I, I feel like he's not so much. I remember the first time that I, uh, we went to visit Tucson, Arizona. And we were taking the highway, I, I think it was I-10, and we get off of the highway and we're driving towards the Catalina Mountains. And from that vantage point, I don't know how many miles, 25 miles maybe or more, you look at the mountains and they look really big. But the closer we drive to the mountains, the bigger they appeared. Isn't that the way it is with God? The closer we are to him, the bigger he appears to us. It doesn't, he doesn't change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He is big and glorious and wonderful. But the further away we get from him, I think the less significant he is to us. And the closer we get to him, wow, we see that. So let me just share a couple quick scriptures for you. The Lord waits for you to come to him so he can show you his love and compassion. Or how about Hosea chapter 6? I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. I don't want your offering, offerings. I want you to know me. Psalm 25, and I like this version. It says, friendship with God is reserved for those who reverence him. With them, he shares the secrets of his covenant. 
And I don't know what you think about reverence. Reverence really means just coming up to him closely and acknowledging him for who he is. All-powerful, all-knowing, present everywhere, loving, kind, compassionate, wise, always engaged and involved in my life. He loves me. He listens to me. He answers prayers. In fact, James 4, 8, draw close to God and God will draw close to you. So let me give you three principles and they kind of fit with each other. Number one, the closer I am to God will dramatically affect how I view God. Let that sink in. The closer I am with God, because God comes to us, he loves us, but there's times we walk away and we do our own thing. But the closer we get to God, it really dramatically affects how we view him. But here's the other part, which this is why we're talking about it. And that will dramatically affect my prayer life. I know in the times when I don't go to him or when I'm kind of shaken in my faith, it's because I've taken a step back. And the moments where I see his glory, when I see him at work, is when I'm reading the word. I'm coming to church. I'm, I'm being encouraged in my faith life. It's a powerful difference. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. We heard this earlier in the song that Jake sang. Cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. I want to give you a challenge as we make our way through the 40 days of purpose. I do not know a single person on this earth that doesn't need a breakthrough in some area of life. And a breakthrough is this. We are in a situation or a circumstance where we feel as if it is less than desirable. But maybe that's the best way to say it. And we want it to be different. And maybe it's our health, maybe it's marriage, maybe it's our finances, maybe it's our job, maybe it's our social situation. I mean, who knows what it is. And we're, we're needing a breakthrough. I want to challenge you, on your way out today, if you noticed the display that's in the family gathering area with the big word breakthrough, there's a table next to that with little sheets of paper on it. And there is a box there. And I'd like for you, if you would, think about where you need a breakthrough. And if you need time throughout this week, that's fine. But take a sheet, bring it back, put it in that box without your name on it. I'd like to then put up on the display the breakthroughs. And we're going to be praying about these and we're going to expect God to do eternal things. He is going to teach you and me how to trust in him through all these circumstances. And why can we trust in him? He is all-powerful, all-knowing, present everywhere. He is loving, kind, compassionate, wise, and he's in love with you. Amen. I'd like to continue our time of worship for us to publicly declare what we believe regarding this God. And a great summary of the Christian faith is found in the Apostles' Creed. So I'd like to invite you to stand and share that together with me. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, 
and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Receive now the blessing of our Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. You've been walking the same old road for miles and miles. You've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies. You're trying to fill the same old holes inside. There's a better life. There's a better life. You got pain. He's a pain taker. Yeah.